podcaster. I hardly know her. Am I right? Meet Megan Bryant. She's an entrepreneur, a single mom of four young kids, a comedian, a super energetic improv trainer, and an award-winning author. Megan is passionate about creating happier, healthier human connections through humor. This podcast dives into all sorts of topics that tackle personal growth, professional strategies, and sharing positive messages to build up the communities around us. Each of us can make an impact. So keep in mind that you don't have to be a big deal to do big things. Thank you for tuning in. This is the I Hardly Know Her podcast. And here's your host, Megan Bryant. Hey guys, this episode kind of merges together a couple of different things that um, I was hoping to share. One of them being the awesomeness of comedy and humor. Oh brother, I'm recording this in my car. Can you guys hear that? (laughs) The guy was not going on a green light and instead of me honking at him, like I would have in the past, I let him realize he wasn't going. He was holding up traffic, and then he gunned it. Some Chevy, what is that? Sports car, something, something. Anyway, just uh, the blending of principles of being able to use humor and comedy as a positive thing. I know that it brings so much joy and helpful, um, stuff to my life and it makes it so that I'm less likely to be mean spirited or attack other people when they are not at their best. And, um, kind of coupling that with the fact, the fact that there's so many people who just do terrible things to other people. The cycle of hurt continues and I don't believe it can be changed or overcome by punishing people and by making them feel like crap when they already don't know how to be successful in life and then they get mad and put, you know, put negative things back into their little world because they don't even freaking know better and don't know how to break their awful cycle. So, Anyway, I hope that uh, you enjoy the typical meanderings and various trips down tangent lane with old Megan. And I hope that wherever you are in the world that you are seeking out opportunities to keep growing and healing and, um, and being a proponent for positivity in the world. Oh, I'm just in the best mood this morning I had such a fun opportunity to do a kind of like a commercial like a long it's almost like a extended cut commercial um, for a company in in Idaho the state I live in and it was like really good production value and cool multi-camera angles and fun stuff and it was such a fun experience I also got to help write the script and be part of that creation of a true story and so I can't wait to see how it turns out and I just really all day I just was feeling like 
this reawakening of what I want to do with my life. And, and it's all, it always comes back to stories and humor and um, collaboration and helping people feel awesome as they are. And I, I don't know, it's something about being in an artistic space and um, doing something with so much like focus on the uh, authenticity and the integrity of the project. Um, it was just so fun. Such great energy from the people as well. And an interesting experience where everyone was wearing masks. I mean, I wasn't when I was on camera, uh, just the rest of the team. And there was such attention to detail, even beyond all the intricate details that go into commercial production. So of course that was super fun. I have not had an opportunity to do very much of that lately, particularly lately because of all the COVID crap. Um, and just, it doesn't happen super often anyway, because I'm in Boise, Idaho, and there's not a ton of opportunity to do really top-notch, uh, production things. So then on my way home, I, um, happened upon a audio book that I highly recommend called Strong Finish. Now, is that what it's called? Strong Close. Strong Close? Well, I should have double-checked before I started talking about it. It was about um, military, com- like combat military people who have been in various branches of the military and armed forces and whatnot who went through a boot camp of comedy to learn stand-up comedy as a way to process the experiences that they've gone through. And it was so cool. And these are things I like already know that comedy works to heal and to connect and to break down the barriers between what's quote unquote normal and what's what's actually real, like no one's really normal. And we all have different types of issues, different types of experiences and traumas and all those things that make us behave the way that we do. And, um, and I've always loved comedy for the ability to have an outlet that in my, in my case, like my passion and what so many people use it for is to be a connector and to use those tools for good, for positive, for healing. Some people who honestly, I think just don't get it yet. They haven't maybe hit their rock bottom or had their awakening to a better way of living. And so sometimes comedy is used for um, divisive nature and for slamming other people down for mocking people for their beliefs or their different opinions. Um, and that kind of comedy makes me uncomfortable because it can be so eye opening and spur healthy conversations, even when there's different opinions. And so it's just been such a good day to really re-examine these things that I want to do with my life because sometimes I think, ugh, is this even worthwhile? Like, does this matter? 
And it, it does, if for no one else but myself, it matters to be creative, to talk through ideas and share thoughts. And it's so much bigger than just a joke, a setup and a punchline, a setup and a punchline. Like there's, of course, like a structure to it. And in fact, I valued that part part of it so much that when I thought I'm going to try stand up, this is years ago, over 10 years ago, I started stand up. And even before that, several years prior to that, I had started improv. And when I was ready to try stand up, it went through a couple of quick phases there at the beginning. It started as um, a friend of mine who was hosting an open mic here in town. Um, he called me up as the next comedian to perform. And I was like, what? I hadn't prepared anything. I was just there to watch. And it was a three minute set, which doesn't sound like a lot. But if you are sitting there and if you've never talked on stage for three minutes or with, especially with the intention to try to make people laugh, uh, three minutes can feel like an eternity. So that happened. And then I was really interested in the craft. Like all I did that night, because I didn't have anything prepared is I just thought about what was something that happened for me recently. And I had been on a trip for work for something and talked about airline stuff. And I don't even really remember what exactly came out of my face, but I focused on the few people that were in there. And I just tried to enjoy that moment and feel the nerves and the adrenaline and the scared, um, like terror, I guess, and that was peppered in there. And then I thought, no, this is something I really want to do. And so I, um, somehow I got connected by a friend, like a friend of my boss. That's right. My boss, when I worked at a bank at the time, his friend lived in Seattle and stumbled somehow upon information about um, a stand-up comedy class you could take at the Experimental College at either University of Washington or Washington State or something in Seattle. I don't know which one. And um, and you would take an, a class for... It was four evening sessions for three hours. I flew myself to Seattle to learn the mechanics of of stand-up comedy with no content ready to go, just a few notes of possible premises. Nothing had been written out. And then the, the final exam or whatever was to perform at the comedy underground, which is an actual legit comedy club in Seattle. It's a super cool place. It was in front of like the warmest audience you'd ever find because it's friends and family of, well, everybody else that was in my class. I was from Boise. I flew myself there, which is kind of weird, but that guy's like, the guy that was teaching is like, dang, you are dedicated if you're wanting to fly yourself here because it was actually two different trips. I had to go back for work for a couple days and then go back for the other portion. And, um, and then like they taught us how to behave, like, what are the, what is the protocol, what are the, um, like, what's the professional, uh, 
what am I trying to say? Like the etiquette, what is the etiquette of a comedy club? Um, what are things to expect? How do you hold a microphone? What to do with the cord? What to do with adjusting the stand? What to do, um, you know, that it was going to be bright light. Like, don't talk about how bright the spotlight is. They don't give a crap. And, um, anyway, so it's just like telling you all these little details, um, so that when, when we took the stage, we could present ourselves as much as a professional as possible because we already know, some of those things to just appear more professional. So then we get to this point where there were five minute sets in the several nights of class that we were together. We took those ideas grouped, you know, we were little groups and then had, there was two different instructors and they would help us punch it up or they'd help us like uncover where the funny thing is and then how to take the reality and those truths and you can stretch them just a little bit. I mean, sometimes it's a little over the top or wild. It's all still rooted in truth, though. And that's where the magic happens is sharing a real story of something hard or something shocking. And then being able to put that little spin, that little twist, the little pizzazz, the shock value, <laughs> kind of, to help translate it into something funny that is more palpable than maybe it otherwise would be if you're just having like a grumpy conversation. So it was a great experience for me to learn, well, what are the different types of comedy and learning that, um, comedy structure comes in the rules of threes. And, um, there's, you know, usually a normal thing, a normal thing, and then a curveball. That's where the laugh comes. So just lots of these little, nuggets that I was starting to merge with my knowledge I had already had at that point of improv skills and just recognizing so much power in what comedy as an art form could do to lighten the mood and to make my make me feel happier make everything feel less dangerous in life what is that even what am I even saying like sometimes I get in a funk and I'm upset and I don't, I don't know, you know, like where I'm going in life. And sometimes I question my ability and think, well, who the crap am I to get on stage and talk in front of people? And who would care about my stories and who gives the crap about whatever my opinions are? And then getting on stage and watching people smiling, laughing, giving a little whoop whoop on something if they relate to it. Um, it's amazing. The feeling is amazing to click into this connection. Um, and sometimes talk about the things that other people might be embarrassed to talk about. Um, it's kind of a nice though, although it's a little weird thing for comedians where we sort of are in this space of self-deprecation and over the years, I've really learned to kind of use that as an empowering connection to humanity. So like even today, this morning, while we were doing these commercial shots, um, a lot of it was on teleprompter and then some of it wasn't. Some of it I got to improvise and just kind of go off the cuff on a few things. And and then if I messed up or whatever, or blurted out something weird, you know, I just got to play and I got to make funny faces and weird sound effects and 
just subtly kind of mocking myself, but in a way that felt really, um, I don't know, like approachable. It makes us approach. It makes me, I'm going to stop saying us as a universal. Cause I, I, I'm, I'm obviously, I don't know every comedian's motivation. I just know what I've been exposed to and what's been shared with me for me. It is, um, it's just really fun. It's, a, it's my, one of my strengths to have my guard down and be so approachable that people are comfortable and feel safe sharing with me. And having that outlet is just incredibly valuable. The big underlying reason of why this has been so important to me, and it really has been ever since I started doing comedy and I saw the subtle ways it was changing my ability to be more present as a branch manager of a bank and as a, um, a friend. And, and honestly, as I had tried to... Uh, implement these things in ways that I thought I hoped would save my marriage things that were just um kind of always wearing my heart on my sleeve and feeling like these tools helped me to feel okay about myself when things were not okay either emotionally or outside influences that were really difficult for me to work with um challenges in life and whatever and, and I've used them, especially with yes and with improv to accept the things I have to deal with and, um, and do something with them. And hopefully as often as possible, have it be a positive thing that I am able to do with, with the situation or the information. And it's been such a growth, um, tool for me for personal development and for, really being very successful in the professional space in any way I've ever worked. I commit to being my true self and being reliable. And even when things don't go well, like times that I've either fired someone because their job, uh, their job went, whatever, they didn't do a good job on something or I've been fired or whatever, even when things end on a bad note, in technicality, like I still leave those things on a good note, like as good as possible with an openness for accepting that that wasn't, that was no longer a good fit, um, for me or for them or whatever. And so accepting that and moving forward and really trying to honor those experiences as a valuable part of my life. And looking back at the things that I know that I could have but done better, but I didn't know at the time. That's, that's what it's all about, right? Once we know better, we have to do better. We're responsible for doing better and for healing and for facing our shit and dealing with it. And so I know I'm rambling a lot. You guys, um, thank you for always bearing with me when I see things though, this is where I'm going with it is that when I see things happen that are really tragic terrible news stories of people who hurt other people, especially, it's especially infuriating when children are involved because children rely on whatever adult figure is in their life to care for them and to provide for them. And when bad things happen to children, I am furious 
and disgusted and heartbroken for whatever pain that child might have endured. And I mourn for the loss that has occurred if, or the pain maybe that is still yet to heal from. Cause sometimes, man, um, there's a lot that people, sometimes they maybe break free from an awful situation. And then there's all the unpacking they're going to have to do the heavy lifting of maybe relearning something they had been taught or healing from physical wounds or um, things people, you know, we've been conditioned in some ways to do th- certain things or think certain ways. And, and then what I do after I see those things and I feel that anger and that hurt for the victim, I turn my attention to the person that hurt them. And this is probably not a popular opinion, but I want to know what happened to them that they have not been able to process or have been unwilling to process? What shit do they have that they haven't faced? Because what taught them that behaving that way is okay? Like what happened to someone in their life that was so awful and they were treated probably in such a way that they choose to act like a monster to another living being. There has to be, and I know there is, I mean, I'm not a clinically like professional person, uh, on the matter, but I am a human being and I've gone through a lot of therapy and I've worked around the adoption and foster environment with a board, um, on the board of directors for an adoption agency and hearing, the stories and seeing the things that go on to ultimately have children ending up in foster care and, and the cycle that just keeps going. It is very alarming. And I've also spent a lot of time trying to hopefully get someday. My goal is to be able to do positive improv and comedy workshops with inmates and I've talked to the warden of the Idaho State uh, Department of Corrections a couple of times and um, and he loves the idea and we toured the facility once and just talked about how much his focus was on recovery and rehabilitation for those who are capable because I, I do I personally believe there are some people who are born with something that's a little off there's some screw loose or whatever, just to put it as a kind of a callous term. But I do believe there are some people who are unfortunately born into a mortal body that is not capable of awareness and, uh, mental capacity to do awesome things and to get better. Most people though, I think become a product of their circumstance. And so, yeah, if you ask someone, I mean, from different people I've talked to over the years, um, in these kind of challenged environments, people who abuse people have been abused in most cases, in most cases that I personally have been exposed to hurt people, hurt people. We've all heard that before. And it's, 
true. I know the times that I've been mad or feeling hurt or attacked or unloved. Those were the times that I was lashing out in my own way. Those were the times I was numbing the pain. Those were definitely not my proudest moments. And I didn't care. There were times I didn't care who else I hurt. I wanted other people to feel pain because I was feeling pain. And it was still at such a, I don't know, almost more of a surfacey level because I was never violent with someone. I was never like blatantly hurtful. I just know that my actions, even as a, as like a byproduct, I, I, I don't know. Does that even make sense? The intentions, I guess, uh, to be clear, were not like, I'm going to go hurt this person. It was, I'm looking for an outlet to numb my pain. And at, at the time or at different times, I didn't necessarily think about the damage I was causing or take the time to care or realize how deeply I might've been hurting someone. As I did come to that awareness, I have issued apologies. I have taken a lot of time to wash my dirty laundry so that I can be unburdened from those pains. All of that to say that it's, it's just crazy to hear about people that are locked up. They've probably made some bad choices. I mean, for sure, a lot of them have, and I'm sure there's lots of course of wrongly accused people, but talking to the warden and touring through and his program, um, was so focused on allowing people the opportunity to regain their humanity and to be validated Um, and heard so they could when they're ready make the choice to do better they were learning job skills in the prison some of them are things that are partners with companies outside of the prison Uh, but there's a lot happening inside the prison of people learning how to cook learning how to garden learning how to do work um, in construction and helping with the actual um, like the goings on of the prison. There's like a giant laundry room that people work in. There's, um, a lot of just the hands-on experience and, and they don't keep people locked in the little cells. There's different areas that are sectioned off. There's different reward systems for good behavior instead of the punishment mentality of, you know, lock them up and throw away the key, which admittedly the guy said, that a lot of his staff is so old school in this stubborn mindset that they're like, they just think these people are hopeless and they're never going to recover. And that's ridiculous to put any efforts into trying to allow a space of rehabilitation. And I just feel like so many people, again, like I was saying earlier, is like this product of circumstance. And if we can try to, as hard as it is, embrace the ability to empathize with people who are doing bad things. Sure. Yeah. A lot of them need to be locked up and if I am raging mad at some of the just God awful things that people do and, and yet I cannot allow myself to be so callous as to not know that something else probably occurred to shape that person into who they are and how they're behaving. And if there is an opportunity to allow that reform, I want that for people. I want people to feel the freedom of their own mistakes being forgiven whenever possible. And 
uh, the, tr- the reality is too, so many people who end up in prison will come back out into society. They'll be back out. And if they, why wouldn't we want to give as good of a chance, a leg up as possible so that people can heal and make a change if they are able to. So anyway, I think that's enough of my ramblings for the day. It all just kind of ties in. And I just know that in these light moments, when sometimes there's these moments of relief that I feel, um, and how much I've seen my own life improve from allowing mistakes to be forgiven and for humanity to move forward and just desperately wanting to propel that forward to other people. Um, we just need that. We need healing. We need cycles to be broken. We need people to know that, yeah, you did something wrong and we're absolutely going to hold you accountable. And in the, in the spaces where it's possible, allow somebody to break the cycle. God, what an amazing change it is to let somebody be the better person that they're capable of being and letting it be their idea. Like we know it will never change unless it's their idea. That's one of the things I've learned in teaching improv in the workplace is switching people from the yeah, but mindset to the yes and mindset, which is its own little, I probably should do another episode on that. But when people are told what they can't do or why they're wrong or whatever, and they're not offered like a a solution or some kind of a reward or positive thing, like why would they want to do that? Like another example is like, I mean, punishing versus a reward, right? So my youngest is being potty trained and there was a, a window of time where some discussion was happening that he was being put in girly diapers at the other house as a punishment and he was not liking that and so in my house I was just talking to him about like okay well what can we do I was like what would you love to have if you go poop on the potty what would make you so happy and my sweet little three-year-old said a milkshake he just wanted a milkshake and I was like yes that sounds amazing when you go poop on the potty, just me and you, mommy and you are going to go for a special treat and just get you a special milkshake when you go poop on the potty. So tell me when you need to go poop, you know, and then we talk, we talk about it and I ask him all the time and make sure he's going poop on the potty. And that's like such a simple example, but how it's so universal that we, we want to feel that reward, the excitement of a job well done. Like I did a freaking Spartan race a while back and I loved the medal at the end. I loved the cheering of people saying, great job. And these are people that don't know me and it didn't matter that much. Um, and, but like to do something because you have to, as an obligation, like do this or else, like I just, I don't know. I mean, I know I could ramble on forever and ever, but my heart just breaks for people who don't know better because they haven't been shown better and when they do something wrong they get smacked in the hand or told that they're worthless and locked away or whatever it is and they just never get an opportunity to see the value of who they are inside when people are born these little babies wherever they are it just crushes my soul to think some of them yeah some of us are so lucky that we're born to parents who love us and can care for us and can keep us 
clean in clean diapers and fed and and are doing the doing the good things and some babies are born into hate and anger and filthy conditions and starving and dirty and what chance do they have if they are in a horrible environment like they're just off on the wrong foot to begin with and so all of the all of these years that I've done comedy and I've seen how it's changed my own life and I've had a pretty you know pretty okay life I recognize where my weaknesses are and where my hurts are and where I have been victimized and whatever else and I've worked really hard to get out of that and along the way I've allowed myself to be open to hearing really tragic stories and and to let people like people that have told me that they hadn't been out to a show in so long and maybe their wife dragged them to the the, the show I remember this one show um and I may have said this on another episode but this one show um husband and wife came up afterward and this guy didn't even want to come and he was like I'm so glad my wife dragged me here he's like I've just been needing this he's like I didn't even know I needed this and I've just been having a really hard time lately and um and so I just see such power in humor and finding ways to heal and laugh and have that really good feeling that we have when we get to belly laugh and just process through things and to use it use those ways as a connection instead of a way to accuse people or point fingers of why things suck and I don't know I I don't know I just love it so much and I feel just um, gosh I wanted to make it through an episode without crying but I've been crying all day with just gratitude for 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 my role in life because I get to do this I get to do it for a living I get to play with people and put their put their stories out like sometimes sharing stories and just having these amazing moments of connection and being a safe place for people who feel unloved and making people laugh and smile and it's just so great and I love it so much and there's just so much um, healing yet to be done and and I want to just do my part so um, like they say in comedy when you get to the end of your set that's my time you guys have been a great audience Thanks for listening to the I Hardly Know Her podcast. You can follow along with all of Megan's shenanigans at meetmeganbryant.com. I'm Sean Hancock with RecycledMindsComedy.com.